0: Mavs up big on the Wizards, 114-90. Knicks are up 74-66 on the Hawks. Julius Randle's got 19-8. Lucas has got a 25-6 rebounds, 9 assists in that Mavs game. Uh, Celtics, one-point lead over the Sixers right now, 70-69. to Big, big lead for the Bucs without Giannis. Up in Toronto, eighty-three fifty-three. As Ryan slowly walks his way back in the studio with a cup of coffee, as he just trots behind me. Dude, dude, dude! If you're watching on Twitch or YouTube, you'll see him just, just kind of strolling. You know, we have a schedule, sir, and you need to be here on time. I got caught up. Caught up. lady? No, actually, no. Uh, Big Vic upstairs running the
1: board, and I had to oh, stop. Oh, Vic's back. And GT the Vic, I, and I said, what "The hell are you doing here? Caps, Wizards?" And he goes. Hoyas, yes, Georgetown. Hoyas. Oh, you get and, to hear it. And, and, the... and,
0: and then I shut the door and I hear they suck. <laughs>
1: how do you feel about Crank council?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you get to hear the uh, the sweet sounds of Rich Spatkin, the voice of the uh, Georgetown Hoyas. RS, I call him. I love him. <laughs> I love the Hoyas. Hoyas, Hoyas R- win. R- Hoyas, win. Hoyas win. Hoyas win. Hoyas win. Hoyas. That's how he. he ends every game when they can't win. Legally which is like the Hoyas. John
1: Ste- Sterling. Yeah. Yeah. the Yankees yep. win.
0: You gotta have. You gotta have that call when you're. Uh, when you're uh, the voice of a team, you got to have something unique.
1: Yeah, the difference is the Yankees win like a 100 times a year, and the Hoyas win like 5. Yeah, That's true. Like, every wish, year
0: they're terrible. I wish Georgetown was good again. They're always a great first-half bet, though. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then they just completely fall apart in the I, second half. I loved uh, when AI was there, a good poker buddy. Well, yeah.
0: well, let's put it this way. Georgetown at least has a real basketball coach now, so things are looking up. Who we'll is that.
1: Georgetown's coach again? I'm not going to lie. Um, Ed, Cooley. Forgot. Ed Cooley. Ed there Cooley, there we
0: go. Yeah, because they fired Patrick Ewing. He should have right. never been hired in that's the first right. place. Uh, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. A lot of transfers when he was there, too. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, another situation that's not great. Uh, well, that would be the Cleveland Browns. And everybody in Cleveland looking around again with Sean Watson missing the rest of the season now. And you go, oh, my God. Nick Wilson, I don't know how you do it, my friend. Uh, it just feels like, as somebody that's a commanders fan, I know what it's like to not have nice things, but I feel like in Cleveland now, it, you had that fourth quarter drive from Deshaun Watson. You look at this great defense with the Browns. They're six and three and it's like, huh, maybe they can win the division. And then we get the news today that Deshaun Watson is out for the season. What is, although I can
2: probably guess the mood in Cleveland with this news? Um, I believe the five stages of grief and dying. I think are the best way to put this. I think I don't know if we're past denial yet. Maybe bargaining. I know acceptance is not you know too far off in the distance. No, it was a uh, it was a bloodbath. And I gotta say, I my whole thing today on the show was I simply wasn't going to do the sky is falling radio because I had heard it for the five hours before, and I felt like. Honestly, I know how the guys in Band of Brothers felt because I fought a war today, guys, all right? There weren't lives lost, but there might have been lives saved because I was on a mission from God. Now I'm mixing my movie metaphors. And you know what? I came out clean. That's all that matters.
1: Nick, in all seriousness, when you have no optimism about the future of your team, how do you do radio on a day-to-day basis without becoming like a cynical, like
2: poisoned soul? Well, um, who says I'm not? And two, (laughs) they did just vote in legal weed in Ohio. So, like, (laughs) you know, things are changing on on the, you know, like, well, listen, here's what I will say. I did not lose all hope that with the Deshaun injury, I think I think you just have to change your parameters if you're a Browns fan. Right, Um, With the way the Browns were playing, with the fact that Deshaun kept getting better in his last three games that he played, and specifically the two games post the injury, I think we started to set our sights bigger. AFC North title, right? Can you get that this year? Is that that attainable? It really is. If Baltimore loses this Thursday, you could be playing for the divisional lead on Sunday. Even without Deshaun, that's true, right? Um, We started thinking about, well, maybe all of a sudden an AFC title run is something that you can at least dream of this year. So with Deshaun, I th- I think there are two camps right now, and I said this on my show. You're either mourning the loss of a contending team or you're, you're getting ready to gear up to see if this team can still be a playoff team, right? A, a contending team is a team that's going to make the playoffs and make a run. This team might just be a playoff team, but if you told me going into the season one game and a quarter of Nick Chubb and you would get six, or five games and five drives in another game from Deshaun Watson, and you make the playoffs, I would have said that that is a resounding success. So I'm in the camp that says, hey, I'm not I'm not a big believer in DTR or P.J. Walker, but I believe that the rest of the team has a lot of fight in them. Let's see how they handle Pittsburgh. And then if they get their asses kicked in Cleveland this Sunday, let's do Requiem Radio. But let's at least give them a <laughs> chance before I head to the 480 Bridge.
1: Yeah, Nick, I was a big fan of DTR in college, but obviously like this is a whole nother level and he's a rookie. You you watch that first start. He just found out he was going to start a couple hours prior to the game. So it makes sense. How do you think the offense changes now? Like, do you think it's more, you know, I mean, what do you do? Like, what do you do differently? Because we didn't even get that big of a sample size with the Sean
2: fully healthy. So I think the number one thing you have to do is you need to double back your efforts and put the run game first like you did, regardless of whether you had DTR or PJ Walker. You, you mentioned DTR's first start. It was awful. Three interceptions. Uh, there was yeah. a fumble. By the end of the game, they weren't even throwing the ball because they just. You just, every time the kid even took a snap, and, and look to pass everybody's sphincters clenched in in First Energy Stadium, or sorry, Cleveland Brown Stadium. It's no longer corporately sponsored. But um, so I think you have to do what really worked for you when you went 2-1, and one, and rightfully you should have won the, the Seattle game if not for the stupid decision to pass on 3rd and 3 uh, by Kevin Stefanski with P.J. Walker helmet interception. I don't want to relive it but I relive it every day. Um, so I think it's really important that you get back to running the game and, and, and running the ball and letting that be your your emphasis. And I think offensively, I think you've got to continue doing all the little stuff you were doing in the second half with Baltimore the screen game, the short passing game, right now Amari Cooper is the only guy getting open consistently down the field, and he's not really a speed guy. So your speed guys aren't getting down, uh, you know, open downfield. But what they are doing is they are getting opportunities in the middle of the field. So with DTR, you shorten up the field a little bit. You're probably still gonna have to take a couple shots a game. But I think that's where you go because here's the other problem. I, I think the reason why you've got to focus on running more than anything is less the quarterback, and you're missing your 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 first what four tackles now three tackles uh, are all injured with Jed Wills being on the IR and now Dewan Jones has been you know missing a game or two here. So I think you, you get back to the run game and they had a hell of a lot of success without Nick Chubb, with Jerome Ford, who's come on. Kareem Hunt runs like an angry, angry man. And even Pierre Strong, the kid they got from New England uh, this summer, he's been really good as well. So I think that's how the offense changes. It's about to get the granny panniest of offenses. Like, we're talking laundry <laughs> day in the middle of the winter here. That's where we're at with this offense. But the good news is they've won multiple games this year that way.
0: This total has gone down to 33. Is this still an underplay here? Oh, 33. It's a low number, I know. It's really low. You think,
1: like, turnovers, Um, especially with DTR throwing three picks that first start, man. Those are some short fields and some pick sixes. That could get scary at 33.
2: Well, and I think, you know, even though Miles Garrett's numbers against Pittsburgh have not always been what you want them to, the rest of the defense has started to feast recently here. So I don't think it's just DTR that's the walking turnover here. I I think it's probably going to be Kenny Pickett as well. So, all right. I have a problem taking the under anytime. All right. Because I just feel there's too much there. Okay. I just, the second somebody scores a touchdown, and become a basket case. I feel like the under is the play, but will I play make that play? No. I'll be the a hole taking the over inexplicably in a matchup between DTR and Kenny Pickett.
1: I'm, I hear you. I'm looking at the rushing yards. Jerome Ford's number is at 49 and a half kind of feels like slightly low considering he put up 107 yards on 17 attempts against the Ravens, had 74 rushing yards against the Colts. Is you think this number is that low because of splitting carries with Kareem Hunt in short yardage situations, or do you think they really believe there's going to be a lot of DTR three and outs?
2: Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. What I, Here's why I would actually take the over on that. One, as you said, it's a little low. Two the dude needs one play to hit it um jerome really has like last week it was a 28 yard play that was part of his 100 i think it was 107 plus uh rushing yards you know two weeks ago man i can't remember he had like a 50 or 60 yard run so once a game he's good for the kind of game that can take you and all of a sudden hit that over comfortably so even with even against pittsburgh and again it's Pittsburgh's going to do the thing you think they're going to do, which is try and stop the run and put it all on DTR. I I think the over on that is a is an easy hit this week.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I I just I think that that's a good look right there as well. So you said like you kind of have to change you know, the way that you look at the season moving forward, if you could go back in time, would you feel differently? I know Dobbs, like you Mm -hmm. laugh because he's a backup quarterback, we thought, but I mean, he continues to find ways to win games. Like in Minnesota, I think that's remarkable because he doesn't even know the offense. Obviously a smart guy, but do you think it's a different story if you don't move Dobbs, you know, if he's still around? Or is it still kind of the same ceiling? You know, maybe you get to the playoffs and that's about it.
2: Um, I'll I'll say this, I, Listen, I don't think the initial Josh Dobbs trade is the issue, right? I can understand a team saying, well, we shouldn't need a backup quarterback. Let's save some money, and we get a pick swap in the balance. Where I think the bigger issue with the Browns was the second that you went to DTR in week four, and that kid looked awful, rattled, unprepared, not ready – and the, the circumstances yeah. are fair to point out. You know, found out at 10.30 that he was starting and wasn't prepared. But, like, the second that you realized that his production in the preseason was a mirage, you should have been looking for Carson Wentz, who's since signed in L.A. And then, lo and behold, at the trade deadline, Josh Dobbs was told he's either going to Minnesota or he's going to Cleveland. And, like, the, the pick swap was a 7 for a 6. So I think there's – I think the front office in Cleveland has been a bit prideful. About not trying to reverse that decision, and I hope it doesn't catch him up. Because I'm telling you right now, if DTR can't do it, you're, one of two things: you're either going to have to go back to PJ Walker, who I ref, I lovingly refer to as Booty Cheeks on the air, because he is just a <laughs> whole boatload of ass. And yeah, you're either doing that, or you're praying that either Jacoby and Brissett not the co- and not the Car-
1: good kind of ass, right, Nick? Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yes,
2: we're talking badass and not badass badass. You understand what I'm saying? But like, yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, or, or we're going to Jacoby Brissett or Carson Wentz punches their coach to get released so they can come to Cleveland. Oh. That's your, that's your Hail Mary. And I'm kind of on and kind of digging the Carson Wentz thing, but I'll be honest again, weed is legal.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like as a radio host too, that's heaven right there. The phone calls and, and Carson Wentz. Oh yeah. So even like on ESPN right now on the front page, it's trending towards the worst trade in NFL history, why the Browns are uh stuck with Deshaun Watson. Do you really think this is the worst trade in NFL history? I know yes. financially, um it you know, yes. obviously it sucks, but if you look at it and you take away the off the field stuff as well. But I'm talking about like the last three seasons in Houston, statistically he was a top five quarterback. Do you think that this is really that bad of a trade if you take i mean obviously the money is a huge part in it but i'm talking like on the field i don't know i think it was maybe worth the risk or do you think that baker was the was the choice or was the answer
2: well it's not great bob i will say that but (laughs) I, i think i think it is hyperbole to say it's the worst trade in nfl history mostly because deshaun was coming around like don't look at the box score against Baltimore look at a guy who was playing some of his best football in that second half and got and led you on a game winning drive with a broken shoulder that at any point if he had taken a hit it could have completely destroyed the rest of his arm so and before that the the Cardinals game everyone was like oh it's pedestrian i'm like he threw for 220 uh, yards multiple <laughs> touchdowns and and they won the game like 27 to nothing and then like the Tennessee game there so like the last three games we saw of him it like we you started to kind of see the signs that, that Deshaun was coming back now the problem becomes the injury cuz we're now talking about two injuries to the shoulder in in and very similar parts of the shoulder but two separate injuries in one off season so i it's a conditional if, if the shoulder ends up part and he he becomes Cam Newton post the, the second shoulder surgery, then yes, it will go down as the worst trade in NFL history. But to do that without the proper context of the injury this year and to just put it all in his performance as if he was, was as bad this year as he was the year before, I think that's a lot of lazy takes from the national media. And I, like, I hate the guy where they're like, oh, the national media. I hate that crap. But in this case... There's a lack yeah. of nuance. If you're going to talk about Deshaun's performance, you kind of gotta go detail for detail on how this thing has happened. It doesn't look pretty. It also, I think, doesn't I don't think it's as bad as right now the box score might look for people.
0: Nick Wilson, 92-3, the fan in Cleveland. You've had a rough day, I know. Go take a hit of one of those nice calming indicas you got there now, my friend.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I forgot where I am. Who are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> just some friends, just
0: some friends. You'll forget about it tomorrow. Don't worry about it. There oh, he goes, nice. Nick Wilson. Always, always entertaining. Let's just have him back every week, Sleep. honestly. <laughs> <Sleep>. <laughs> it's it's BetMGM Tonight.
2: The winning trifecta is Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashu. All three will be right back on BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from BetQL.